Hello, welcome back, my Royal Rogues. My name is Jesus Enrique Rosas. I'm the Royal Rogue. And tonight we have William and George at the second Ashes test. One article from Valentine Lowe about how Catherine was the real steely operator behind the Royal Family's fight back statement after the Oprah interview. And of course, a couple of Harkle's shenanigans. But first, I wanted to talk briefly about this magnificent sword named after Queen Elizabeth, which is going to be handed to King Charles in an upcoming Scotland visit. I am a huge fan of swords and anything that cuts, for that matter, and my favorite ones are Japanese katanas and Scottish claymores. And holy mother of Christ, this thing looks like it could cut Sauron in half. The Elizabeth sword is said to fill the gap left by the Sword of the State, also known as the Papal Sword. It was designed by Mark Dennis, and I absolutely need a replica of this. Why? I have no idea, but it's already on my bucket list. By the way, it cost more than £22,000 to make, and it has engraved on one side of the blade the royal motto, In my defense, God me defend, and the motto of the Order of the Thistle, Nemo me impun lacessit, which means nobody provokes me with impunity, which... Now that I think of it, sounds a lot like myself on Twitter. And it was on Twitter that I found this puff piece on the Daily Fail for the Harkles. Meghan and Harry believe they have been repeatedly unlucky and blame COVID, economic woes, the death of the Queen, and the failing of Prince Philip's health for their faltering attempts to launch post-royal careers. You know those people that are always blaming that whatever happens to them is uh, someone else's fault, that they are victims of the circumstances for some reason, that the universe is conspiring against them. Well, this requires an award. There must be some kind of award for victimhood, or maybe Megan could buy herself one. Well, when the money begins rolling in again, that is, uh, which uh, we don't know when that's going to be. And we also have Prince George joining his father at day four of the second Ashes Test, which is a test cricket series played between England and Australia, and the pictures speak for themselves. There was a lot of cute moments between them, and it's nice to see them mirroring each other's body language, like in this picture where William is making sure to turn towards George to listen to him. That's something that parents sometimes overlook, the importance of giving your undivided attention of making your sons and daughters proud of their ideas and words. These are tiny gestures that go a long way in that effect. And thanks to Canel on Twitter, and speaking of mirroring, we have the perfect example of cute synchronicity between William and George. It's something that you just can't deny, and it's almost funny. And funny is also the man who was sitting next to them, legend Stephen Fry. I remember the show he had with Hugh Laurie decades ago. Maybe I don't share his states for color matching. And, well, uh, George's face was my face when I first spotted those colors. And a meme thanks to J.E. May, George was also enjoying pizza while watching the match. And the UK's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was in the booth with them. So George was making sure the pizza was gone before anyone dared to ask for a slice. And I noticed that some people were making reference 
to uh, this article by Valentine Lowe with additional insights into the reaction of the royal family to the Oprah interview. And one of the most relevant parts is the origin of the statement, recollections may vary. According to Lowe, there was an argument between the aides because some of them thought that it could rile Harry and Meghan. Well, I think that up to that point, it really didn't matter. But when the phrase was added to the draft, it was Catherine who pressed home the argument that it should remain. It was Kate who clearly made the point. History will judge this statement. And unless this phrase or a phrase like it is included, everything that they have said will be taken as true. Of course, it was not Catherine who had the last word over this. The final draft with the statement, recollections may vary, was sent to the Queen and she approved it two very short hours later. Now, do you remember how this sentence, recollections may vary, was so relevant at the time? It's a bit ambiguous, but it was a necessary ambiguity since they had to respond as quick as possible to the racism accusations that were storming the entire world. As Catherine said, according to Valentine Lowe, in addressing Harry and Meghan by their names, by the way, so it had a touch of warmth, it had to be established the possibility that maybe what the Montecito two are saying are completely made up accusations. And it becomes even clearer after Harry backtracked all those claims during his spare interviews that it never happened, that the royal family was never accused of racism or anything like that. But those words were never uttered by Meghan. But we know that this is not how language works. That was the intention behind their message. I find it interesting that, again, according to Valentine Lowe, there's a direct quote from Catherine speaking on these matters. This is my life and my historic path, and I am going to be the queen one day. How was Lowe able to collect this quote? I don't know, because in many ways, it doesn't fit the public image of Catherine. Having said that, I would be extremely naive if I believed that there shouldn't be a difference in which how do you manage your brand, how do you act in public, and how you deal with private or family matters. And that's perfectly fine because sometimes you need to make hard decisions, but not because they are hard decisions. It means that it's okay to just spew them unfiltered to the world. There has to be some finesse in this game because that's what diplomacy is. And diplomacy is not only about governments or countries or monarchies. Diplomacy and tact is something that we need to learn as individuals. Because, yes, we need to apply the tactics, we need to strategize, and sometimes we need to act in ways people don't like or maybe we don't like. But there is no other option. And I want to mention one more paragraph from that Valentine Law article. Be warned, this is a critique of the firm or the royal family. It depends on how you look at it. But here it goes. One critic who has seen the system from the inside argues that the palace has lost its way. It is partly, they say, down to a management culture that does not encourage risk-taking. You've got a complete inertia, in my view, a complete inability to make decisions, to lead, to think about things strategically. And that is why you end up in this mess that they are with the sausages, the Duke of York, and the staff issues. Because they are so worried about their own positions, they kind of lose track 
of what being a leader is. Some will agree, some will disagree, but the real conversation is, do you think Buckingham Palace actions since March 2021 to this moment have been on point? Or maybe they could have done better. And I'm talking about the sausages, of course. I would love to see your opinions in the comments. My Roger Rogis, it is my greatest pleasure to make these daily videos for you. All you need to do to keep me inspired making them is clicking the like and subscribe buttons. It's that easy. And remember the two most important words, much love and bliss.